0: Hello and welcome to Euractiv's AgriFood podcast. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And I'm Natasha Fitt. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euractiv's AgriFood team.
1: Well, we've had a little bit of a hiatus, so welcome back to all of our listeners. And this is the, actually the first podcast um, after the super trilogue that happened. A few
2: the,
0: weeks super back. Trilogue,
1: yes. the super trilogue. The super um, duper trilogue. Shall we have a quick recap? What was the super trilogue, Gerardo? What happened? Why were we so excited?
0: So- First of all, nothing happened. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, there was a lot of expectations, and actually, th- um, things are moving towards. I mean,
1: there's light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, there was also the this this week uh, this hearing um, at the agriculture, the European Parliament agriculture committees, mm. uh, where they MEPs basically consider useful. This uh, this meeting. So, yeah, the super trial is basically a negotiating meeting between uh, the European Parliament negotiators, all the three Parliament negotiators, because uh, mm-hmm. as you probably uh, remember, the Common Agricultural Policy is made up of three um, dossiers. And they met uh, the Portuguese presidency, who's basically um, negotiating on behalf of uh, the EU agriculture ministers. Mm,
1: everyone was at the party.
0: Yeah, Uh, even even, uh, for instance, uh, our special guest.
1: Indeed, and which is why we invited him onto the podcast this week. And so who are we talking about? Uh, Today we have with us uh, Norbert Linz, who is the chair of the European Parliament's Agricultural Committee. Uh, We spoke a little bit more about um, what went on in the Super Trilogue.
0: So thanks for being uh, with us, Mr. Linz. Uh, Let's start with this uh, Super Trilogue, of course. Uh, It took place at the end of March, uh, before the Easter break. Uh, It was a meeting strongly requested by the Portuguese presidency uh, with all the parliament negotiators. And you were also there as the chair of the Agriculture Committee. However, after 10 hours of negotiations, uh, not that much was agreed upon. There are still outstanding issues that needs to be sorted out in the next weeks. But there were also some good signals I would like to ask you, uh, what's your take on on the super trilogue, and was it really useful?
2: It was uh, useful because my uh, expectations were not that high. When you compare it with uh, the ones from uh, the presidency, Um, for me it was clear that some major elements will be maybe discussed Uh, but not decided um, at this uh, Super trilogue, and this was the case at the end. But we made a step forward um, on a few uh, elements, uh, uh, for example, on on the strategic plans. We had a a provisional agreement on the so-called mini-package. We had an agreement on the a new delivery model within the horizontal uh, regulation in uh, the combined or connected elements uh, with the strategic plans. And we had uh, good progress uh, when it comes to the common market organization because we had a, a provisional agreement um, within the wine sector and producer organi organization. So we are now closer uh, to an agreement, but uh, there is much more needed uh, to push in the direction of uh, a final agreement.
1: And after the, the Super trilogue, um, you actually commented saying that the council needs to show more flexibility. So I was wondering, you know, what does this mean exactly? Could you elaborate a little bit more on that?
2: Yeah, more flexibility on some uh, main elements, Uh, that means on on the eco-schemes, that means on the capping, degressivity, uh, uh, redistributive payments, so that means the element which would lead us to a fairer uh, cap uh, for the European uh, Union, and uh, more flexibility when it comes uh, to the green architecture, especially uh, when it comes to the so-called conditionality and um, the green ones and um, the social uh, conditionality, to name a few of them.
0: And to an outside eye like mine, I mean, I'm not in the negotiating room with you. And I can feel there's a strong belief in the in the Portuguese presidency that they're going to strike, if not a deal, at least an, an agreement in principle uh, before the end uh, Of the presidency in July. Uh, Of course it could be a negotiating strategy, but sometimes it really looks that they, you know, take the the deal with the parliaments for granted. And I want to ask you uh, very frankly, is the parliament ready to actually stop the procedure and and wait for the next uh, Slovenian presidency if uh, negotiators won't be satisfied um, with the, the parliament's red lines?
2: For sure. Uh, We are not ready uh, for a compromise at any price. The case in this uh, was always the majority view uh, of the parliament. However, I'm uh, really um, optimistic because I see uh, that uh, there is a lot of engagement by uh, the presidency and we are really uh, working hard towards um, a final agreement.
1: And you mentioned there um, the issue of social conditionality, but speaking of some of the other remaining thorny issues, there's still uh, not an agreement when it comes to the definition of what it means to be a farmer, although we we're, we're kind of seeing some movement on the definition of young farmers um, so I'm wondering what is the position of the parliament here and and what's your kind of your forecast for the final outcome on this definition?
2: We are close to to, a, to an agreement I didn't want to go into detail. Uh, but um, there was uh, only um, uh, minor things, um, which um, why we were uh, not able uh, to finalize it three weeks ago. So there I'm, I'm really optimistic.
0: And another tricky topic is this new delivery model, which still divides the, the two sides. Um, in the super Superstralog, you agreed on certain indicators, for instance, but uh, that's not enough for, for the parliament. Uh, do you see the end of the tunnel on this issue after uh, what what you actually consider stepping the right directions uh, taking during the Super trilogue?
2: We really made a lot of progress there uh, on, on what I mentioned before on the mini package. Uh, these are the connected elements to the horizontal regulation. In horizontal regulation, we re- we made a major uh, step because that we agreed on the new uh, delivery a model, which was not the case before, uh, the trilogue. So, this was really um, a very good uh, progress. We we didn't finalize the horizontal regulation, but this was really a huge, a large uh, step forward.
1: And when it comes to uh, eco-schemes, the European Parliament came under a lot of fire from both, um, you know, environmental NGOs, but also the general public opinion, um, you know, who were saying that the European Parliament lacked ambition in this area. And so we're wondering, um, you know, were you surprised about these kind of reactions? Some of them were quite strong um, to this position.
2: Yeah, I, I, I was really surprised at that. When you look into the three um, institutions which are in the yeah it's clear that the parliament is the most ambitious. When you compare it with the original commission proposal, it is clear that the council is more ambitious than the commission and the parliament is the most ambitious institution when it comes to the green architecture. So I'm still surprised about attacks from outside of the parliament.
0: And there's also this issue of uh, decoupling uh, the crisis reserve uh, from the cap budget. We know the council is very skeptical about this, but, um, you know, what are the latest on, on this uh, aspect? Have you already reached an agreement?
2: No, we, we um, didn't talk about this, but I expect uh, that this will be a part of the uh, last uh, the last trilogue. Um, I'm not sure, yeah,
1: but uh, there is uh, no agreement. So on a slightly different note, um, you just came out from a joint meeting between the Agri and Petty Committees on um, ending the cage age. Um, so what I'm kind of wondering is, is how you see the future going in terms of this this issue? Um, do you think the Commission will, will will go ahead with this kind of initiative?
2: Uh, three commissioners attended uh, this meeting. So I have the impression that there is a lot of sensitivity within uh, the commission on this, but uh, now it's it's up to the uh, commission to uh, deliver along uh, the Green Deal and the farm-to-fork strategy when it comes uh, to um, animal welfare question as a whole and when it comes to this uh, question of uh, end the cage age. But in in detail, uh, things are more complicated, often more complicated than expected.
0: And lastly, um, in a recent debate on the revision of the US agriculture promotion uh, policy, you complain about this um, approach of the European Commission when it comes, for instance, uh, to the promotion of the um, organic farming uh, that the Commission is basically putting in every policy. Which also derives from uh, the farm to fork strategy. Um, do you do you have some, let's say, beef with the Commission, or uh, do you think that the Parliament has been uh, snubbed on certain files, or or not being properly uh, consulted?
2: What I have preferred, to, you you may know that, that I'm, <laughs> I was never against um, uh, organic farming, yeah? so I I was. Uh, the rapporteur of my group for three years for the revision of uh, the organic um, regulation, So that means yeah, for the control, for the production rules, and so on, for the organic sector in the European Union, and coming from a region where we have um, 14% of uh, land um, which is farmed um, in the organic uh, way. Yeah? I think I have some sensitivity when it comes um, to organic uh, sector but uh, that's not the question it's a question how we proceed uh, with with each other or, or how uh, we proceed um, among uh, the, the three uh, institutions in the in the European Union and i think um, the first step is a strategy from the commission for sure you know, like uh, the farm to fork strategy then this has to be discussed in the parliament and in the council, and then we have to deliver um, what was the outcome of uh, the discussion in parliament and uh, in council. And I have sometimes the feeling that they have a straightforward uh, approach as commission, and uh, uh, they uh, don't want uh, to uh, involve the parliament um, all the time like I uh, would expect
0: it. In other news, I mean, we always say this every week uh, that has been a week, a busy week. But actually, mm. uh, this week the number of events or, or, or and, and other developments, yeah, quite a lot. It was so big, so huge that we, uh, I prepared, I personally prepared a top 10 of things happened this week. Ooh,
1: the top 10 rundown top of interesting 10, things. Yeah. Wow. 10 whole things.
0: Natasha is not aware of what's happening, so uh, <laughs> you're going to improvise because, I mean, it's, it, it comes as a surprise, actually. But
1: <laughs> You're going to get my true reaction to whatever you're about to indeed, say. Indeed. So that's what we're looking for here.
0: Let's start with the 10th um, position. Uh, it's actually a tweet. By Agriculture Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski, who basically oh, yeah. uh, expressed um, his his participation to this uh, to the final ministerial resolution, the ministerial declaration on the Bratislava conference. Uh, the Bratislava conference was um, uh, again a document on adapting forests to climate change. Uh, and and the declaration was on the future that we want the forests we need. That's the title. Mm. Uh, the point is that he published this tweet, uh, Janusz Wojciechowski, uh, while he was signing actually a paper, you know, a <laughs> paper <laughs> yeah. document, yeah, a paper version of this uh, uh, ministerial declaration, which uh, which yeah, which yeah. sounds a bit like you know uh, preaching good and and doing evil. So not what? like this, yeah Jan- Janusz. Jan- 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 the ninth position is actually on the um EFSA public uh, consultation. So EFSA is basically mm-hmm. the food safety agency. Uh they're gonna start this uh, um public consultation uh in which they basically start the review of the uh, uh welfare and animals uh welfare of animals during transport in the EU. Mm, uh, we're, which
1: is set to be quite a big and potentially controversial topic.
0: Yeah, you know, also the the work of the special committee on it mm-hmm. uh, at the European Parliament. So it's a, it's a very it's very high on the agenda. Animal welfare. The eighth place is for the vote uh, on on the Farm to Fork strategy in the Internal Market Committee. Like every week, we talk about the Agriculture Committee in the European Parliament. Quite often, uh, we talk about the ENVY committee, but there are also other committee like this one on single market, the IMCO committee. And they basically express their opinion on the uh, farm to Fork strategy, the new use uh, flagship food policy.
1: Which makes sense. It has so many, you know, implications in that area.
0: Particularly when it comes to labeling, uh, because Mm -hmm. I mean, it's uh, labeling, it's of course about food safety, but it's also about internal market. And you remember the uh, issue with the uh, nationalist approach to food labeling. Uh, Mm -hmm. So for instance, when you basically put the origin uh, in order to promote uh, national products, and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes uh, this approach has been...
1: Criticised. Yeah, yeah. criticised because yeah. of the mm-hmm.
0: um, the internal market, uh, because of internal mar- market arguments, no? So mm-hmm. it's uh, it could threaten actually the free circulation of goods in the internal market.
1: And it's something we saw quite a lot during the pandemic, you know, this yeah. kind of turned to a kind of more protectionist stance, like more local produce, um, which is obviously championed by the farm-to-fork strategy, but at the same time, you know, weighing it up with all the different
0: issues. That's why the Internal Market Committee um, has had a voice uh, in uh, the process. Uh, of course, the committee who actually is supposed to uh, draft the final report, and actually it's it's um, both the Agriculture Committee and the Environment Committee. Uh, we spoke some weeks ago in our podcast with one of the rapporteurs on the Farm to Fork Strategy, Herbert Dorfman, Um, And um, one of the interesting aspects that they um, highlight in their advisory opinion um, is the possibility to explore the uh, necessity to apply specific conditions to certain food categories when it comes to um, the food labeling, uh, the EU-wide food labeling system that the EU is supposed to. Um, put forward uh, in the next years. Uh, so it's basically like an exemption for, for instance, olive oil, um, which is basically one of the uh, most criticized aspect of uh, one of the uh, food labeling that's being discussed by the commission, the Nutriscope. Mm. And the seventh place is for an event organized uh, by the STOA panel, which is basically the Science and Technology Options Assessment panel in the European Parliament um, organized on uh, gene-editing.
1: We're going to hear a lot about this month, I imagine.
0: Indeed. Um, If you want to know more, first of all, go to our website and check our uh, special report, mini special report on...
1: uh, Where we're at with gene-editing and what's happening in the latest developments.
0: And why it's so important uh, to talk about this... um, um, the developments on gene editing, can you tell us a bit more about this, Natasha?
1: well you know since this kind of this ruling back in I think it was 2018 um, European court of justice ruling that found that gene edited crops fall in principle under the EU's GMO um, directive you know since then the kind of outcome of this ruling has been really heavily disputed um, you know industry players are really pushing for this decision to be revised um, and in amongst all of this debate over the, the future of gene editing um, crops um, you know the commission basically said the next step is a they're going to be publishing the study on new genomic techniques, uh, which, in their words, aims to kind of clarify the situation in light of this ruling, what this really means. And, and you know, in practice, we'll we'll see and we'll see very soon, actually, because the study is uh, is supposed to be published at the end of April. So it's coming up in we're in mid-April already, so t- two weeks two weeks time, potentially at some point, point. and yeah you know, this is this is big. this is why we're going to be talking a lot more about gene editing in the coming days, and we have been talking a lot about it in the last uh, the last couple of weeks, so it'll be very interesting to see what what the outcome of the study is.
0: You actually remind me reminded me when I had the interview with uh, your active actually my interview.
1: Your interview? Oh, your interview, when they interviewed you for the role.
0: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it was the the former agricultural editor, Salantis Michalopoulos, (laughs) and we we had this interview. I remember it was the day when there was the ECJ ruling, and uh, it was basically telling me, you know, talking about this in... in, uh, is a very strong Greek accent. It's a mess. It's a mess. No, <laughs> <It's>,
2: uh, <laughs> can,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I so I, I can say that the uh, yeah my my experience at you actually started with this uh, rune. So it's. And we're still
1: talking about it now. Yeah. Wow! I can't believe you witnessed this. I've spoken so much about so much about it. You witnessed this historic moment. Oh my goodness!
0: And we move to the sixth uh, position. Um, which is basically uh, the hearing with uh, Janusz Wojciechowski, the agriculture commissioner um, in the European Parliament on the Organic Action Plan. Even on these aspects, we uh, wrote a lot. So we suggest you to go on our website to check the latest um, coverage. The fifth place is actually... Um, for the vote in the Envy committee, the Environment Committee on soil, on how to protect soil, Can't believe uh, this is be... only
1: fifth place, Gerardo. You didn't put this up higher.
0: Yeah, uh, I know. How I know. dare because, you? Because because it's it's uh, an own initiative, you know, in the European Parliament. The only initiative is for uh, recommendation. So but it's about the...
1: soil, and soil is life.
0: No, it's it's a it's a good. Um, it was voted with um, seventy three votes in favor, seven against. And, and basically calling the commission to design an EU-wide common legal framework for the protection and, uh, and, and sustainable use of soil. So mm-hmm. uh, quite interesting aspects. Um, let's move to the fourth position, which are basically latest on the common agricultural policy uh, reform. Uh, there was a trial. That, that there was actually um, two trial this week, uh, one actually happening as we speak, uh, it's Friday, uh, and um, and you know the latest is basically. Uh, it seems that th- this is this was anticipated by Wojciechowski in a hearing uh, that they agreed, for instance, on animal welfare uh, and uh, to include animal welfare in uh, the Commission's eco scheme, uh, but also as you are the from uh, from uh, Norbert Linz, they are quite there when it comes to the definition of farmers. So, uh, and now we go to the podium. So at the third place we have very interesting ruling uh, from the European Court of Justice on, uh, um, on uh, electric fishing.
1: Your so, favourite subject, well not electric fishing per se, but fishing.
0: I quite covered electric fishing because it's quite interesting um, as, a, as, a, you know, as as you know, it's a procedure, no? Uh, and it probably this ruling probably will put the word end to the entire um, the entire uh, row on electric fishing. It was the latest uh, Dutch attempt to halt this ban of this controversial practice, which basically um, consists of uh, of sending electric signals to stun. Uh, fish away from the seabed before scooping them uh, in uh, in nets. So it's um, basically. But what is interesting from the ruling is that uh, the European Court of Justice is putting boundaries to the science-oriented approach of the uh, lawmaking. For instance, um, they pointed the judges pointed out that the EU lawmakers are not obliged to base their legislative choice. As to technical measures on the available scientific and technical opinions only, uh, for instance also on uh, environment aspects and so on, so this is why it was um, it, it actually goes beyond the the simple uh, not the simple but the complex issue <laughs> of the electric pools fishing
1: yeah, talking about the gene editing we were just talking about, talking about all the other kind of scientific Areas of 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 progress in agri it is it it is really interesting and they even went further they were saying you know that basically we're not obliged to to put every new technique and every new um everything that's progressive and um into a kind of legislative act just because it's innovative you know they were saying that's not enough to you know just because something's new uh it's not it's not enough um which I thought was very interesting very very interesting.
0: Super interesting, and at least as interesting as our second place. Well,
1: silver place goes to?
0: The End of Cage uh, Age initiative. So there was this um, European citizens' Initiative, which basically allowed some some petition, some public petition, that reached the one million signatures threshold to be discussed by the European Commission. Um, the European Commission can also decide to put forward a legislative proposal on the matter. For instance, it happens with the, the first citizen initiative that actually um, was implemented uh, in, in EU law on um, the right to water, which was a part of the the recent revision of the drinking water directive. So these, these campaigners are basically collected uh, 1.4 million, so uh, quite a lot. Of signatures and now they're waiting for the response of the commission. But in this hearing that happened on uh, Thursday, uh, for instance, agriculture commissioner Wojciechowski seems to be very yeah,
1: enthusiastic. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, very enthusiastic. He said that very uh,
1: positive signals
2: from
0: yeah, yeah. yeah the, um, it basically promised uh, support uh, to campaigners, uh, mm-hmm. but even other commissioners. There was uh, Vera Jurova, the vice president of the commission. And, um, and Stella and the food safety commissioner, uh, were quite supportive of, uh, mm-hmm. of the initiative. And uh, finally, the, the other top news.
1: Oh, do we need a drum roll?
0: It's Allumi, um, the Cypriot white gold.
1: Is it time oh. for my joke?
0: <laughs> no.
1: Okay. 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 Carry on.
0: I mean, now, now you have to explain. As you were. Now, now, you, it? now you, you have to explain <laughs> what what this joke is.
1: Now, as you were, I'll, I'll finish on it. I'll finish on a high note with my joke, if you can call it a high note.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, this um, Alumi officially got the uh, one of the highest form of protection uh, granted by the EU, which is the um, PDO, uh, Protected Designation of Origins. Um it was stuck in the commission for seven years actually, for geopolitical implications. And again, it's it this decision goes beyond the the f- its food implications because it actually allowed this product to cross the green line, which is basically the military boundaries between the northern part of Cyprus and um, the southern part of Cyprus. So again. It's actually important even for the peace process in uh, in the island. For instance, it triggers the reaction from uh, the high representative, the EU representative Borrell asking uh, the other party to come back uh, to the negotiation table uh, when it comes to the peace process in uh, Cyprus. For its implication, the PDO status of Alumi is our uh, top Thing happened this week in the EU bubble.
1: And what did the cheese say when it saw itself in the mirror, at Gerardo?
0: What does it say?
1: <laughs> Hello, me <laughs> And that's all from us this week. And this week, the AgriFood podcast, uh, like every week, was produced by Euractiv's AgriFood News team. That's Gerardo Fortuna and Natasha Foote, with the support of Euractiv's podcast producer, Ebi Chiori. You can also find this podcast on all major streaming platforms, including Apple, Amazon, Spotify, and Stitcher.
0: Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agriculture news from the EU. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of Euractiv's project Beyond Agriculture, funded by the IMCAP program of the European Union. The content of this podcast represents the views of the author only and is his, her sole responsibility. The European Commission does not accept any responsibility for use that may be made of the information it contains.